Okay? Yep. Whenever you're ready. So I've just asked Alan if he'll read again the passage that he started with first off. This is from Ephesians 1. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us and the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Thank you. God's love, adopted, richness of grace, lavished upon us. Tremendous language within that passage that just speaks about how much God loves each and every one of us. And today, yes, the title of what I'm uh, going to be preaching on is Extravagant Passion. But today is a theme, pretty much all morning we've had God's love through it, starting with that passage, the songs that we've sung, the words that have come. Janet's gone out, but fantastic, leading us in breaking a bread. But again, focusing on God's love for us. God loves us so much. I'm going to talk a little bit about passion, since that's the title I've got. But we're going to flow into uh, God's love. Romans says, Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Oh, too far. Fervour is an intense and passionate feeling. So, as I was preparing this, I thought, okay, so what do we understand by the word passion? What does passion mean? So, as you do, you go to the dictionary, I went to the Cambridge Dictionary, and it said... It's a powerful feeling or an extreme wish or desire to do something. The Oxford Dictionary said, a strong and barely controllable emotion. These are strong words coming here. And I went to the Urban Dictionary and it said, when you put more energy into something than is required to do it. Suffering for something you love. We've got any Year 11 students in here at the moment. Have they gone out? Okay, that's fine. They don't need to... Oh, no, no, you've finished, haven't you, Ollie? Yeah, right. An emotion you should fake in your, to get a better grade in your GCSE English. <laughs> yeah. Part of the dictionary on what passion is. <laughs> the word origin for passion comes from the Latin word pati, which means to suffer. If we're passionate about something, it doesn't just mean we enjoy doing it, we like doing it. You know, we're prepared to put everything we have into it. We're prepared to suffer for it. What do we call the days and the, the, the kind of the hours around the, the death of Jesus? We call it the passion. Because he suffered for us. What are we talking about here? Passion is to go over and above what would be expected of us. 
even to the point of suffering for it. Passion is to go over and above what would be expected of us, even to the point of suffering for it. Strong, strong words. What can people be passionate about? Well, I went online and I did a little search and I said, what are people passionate about? And uh, what pops up? Well, you get football pops up. People are passionate about football. Um, You know, local northeast teams, people go every Saturday, maybe in the evenings, Sundays. They're there, they're standing on the terraces, they're shouting, they're screaming, they're raising their arms and... uh, they still lose. Um, but, you know, people can be passionate about football. People can be passionate about politics, about, uh, you know, what's happening in the world and about how the world is being led. People can be passionate about family. And there's nothing wrong with any of these things. These are all good things. But this is what you find. When you talk to people about passion, it's things like politics, things like family, things like football and support. For many of us, and I'm going to mention this one later on, it could be our career. We could be passionate about our career, put everything we have into our career. We could put, you know, we we might get paid nine to five, but then we work till seven, eight o'clock. Many, many teachers will know this feeling. We could be passionate about our career. We could be passionate about the environment. We can be passionate about social action. It's just such a good thing to be passionate about. Just as a side note on this one, um, and I'm just going to throw this in, you know, just as a thought. I think that this one, out of all the things that I mentioned in terms of what people can be passionate about, this one is the one that we need to be careful of if, we, if this is a real passion for us. Because it is very easy to actually almost come under condemnation you know, we, we, we might be passionate about what food we eat. We might be passionate about how we recycle. And almost to the point where if we're in the company of someone who's perhaps not as passionate, or if we make a mistake, yeah, let's say I've got, I've got a vegan friend who um, is partial to a bacon sandwich. And she says, you know, I live a vegan lifestyle, but every now and again I just have to have a bacon sandwich. And she's free to do that. But for some that would actually almost cause condemnation. And it's very, very easy with things like this to fall under condemnation. There is no condemnation in Jesus. We are free in Jesus because he loves us so, so much. So all of these things are great. These things are good things to be passionate about. But there's something missing. Let's go on, let's see if we can find it. We can be passionate about being creative. It could be music, it could be art. I mean, we could be passionate about creativity. Brilliant, fantastic. When I did the search online, um, one person had even put, I'm passionate about chickens. Not entirely sure in what way they were passionate about chickens. They didn't elaborate. But they just said, I'm passionate about chickens. Okay, fair enough. Right, each to their own. But in all of this search, in all of this looking up, I haven't seen Jesus anywhere yet. You know, we've got creativity, we've got football, sport, we've got politics, we've got social action. We've even got chickens, but I didn't find Jesus mentioned anywhere. So I went and had a look a little bit further. But before I move on to that, I just want to, it's just another throwaway remark, kind of a little bit separate from what I'm talking on. 
But Matthew 6, there's a really interesting line in Matthew 6. It says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's really interesting it's not the other way around. It's not saying there, where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. He's saying where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Just think about the, the, the difference. Think about it the other way around. If you put a lot of money, and I, you know, again, I'm not saying this is wrong, but if you put a lot of money into your house or into your car, you've got to get the biggest house, you've got to get the biggest car. Me, I, I love technology, so you know, I, I get quite excited when the opportunity comes to buy a new computer. It's a bit sad, but I, I, you know, it, it does it for me. Um, you know, I put money into it, but that's where my heart ends up. If, if I put a lot of money into my car and I get the best car possible, it's where my heart ends up. I want to make sure that my car is parked in such a way that no one can scratch it and all that stuff. If I uh, put, my, put my money into my house, then that's where my heart might be. Some people, I've heard people say, and it's interesting, it's in, uh, it's in one of the Mark Pont books, but some people might say, I want to have a heart for the poor. Okay, great. Put your money there, and then your heart will follow. Some people might say, I want to have a heart for the lost. Okay. It might be harder to put your money there because, you know, but you put your time there. And there your heart will follow. So, thank you. So, just a throwaway remark, just a little thing, just to, just to think about, just to mull over. But at the end of the day, we haven't mentioned Jesus yet. Okay, so um, we need to be passionate about Jesus. We need to be passionate about Jesus. How can we be passionate about Jesus? Passion is a good thing. But how do we get passionate about Jesus? So being a, being a teacher, being someone who's, who's, who's lived and worked their, their, their whole career on measures and, uh, you know, kind of, if it moves, you've got to measure it. Have these kids made progress? Have they reached their goal? Have they reached their target? Attainment-driven, measures, everything is measures. The first thing that went through my mind was, well, okay, so how can I measure my passion? Yeah? And uh, I gave it some thought, and I thought, right, okay, how do I measure my passion? Well, I started thinking about, well, maybe it's to do with what I put into the offering. Sorry, Alan, just close your ears a minute. Maybe it's to do with what I put into the offering. But that's not a measure of our passion. It's a measure of our generosity. It's not a measure of our passion, though. Maybe it's to do with how much time I spend reading the Bible. Reading the Bible is really, really important. We need to do that all the time. But it's not a measure of our passion. Maybe it's to do with how much time we spend praying. It's not a measure of our passion. What about how much we serve? Sorry, that was the best image I could find of doing tea and coffee. The servers doing tea and coffee. <laughs> we have a slightly bigger teapot and a slightly less, less posh cup. Okay? But maybe it was, uh, it's to do with how much we serve. Serving is really, really important. And it was brilliant to be able to serve yesterday at the fun day. And, and again, you know, all those people who served. And we've got all sorts of things coming up in the next few weeks that people can serve at next year. There'll be all sorts of things happening that people can serve at, but that's not a measure of our passion. What about being in a discipleship relationship? Being in a discipling relationship? 
you know, getting alongside someone is so important. Each and every one of us should be in a discipling relationship. We're either being discipled, discipling, or even if it's just getting alongside people in a, in a faith club, you know, two and three getting together just to support one another and to help each other move one another on in our work with God. So important, but it's not a measure of our passion. What about, what about our attendance? What about coming to church? It's really important we're here. It's really, really important we meet with, uh, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We are a family together. And if we never meet each other, we are cutting ourselves off from the family. But also the family is left because we're not there. And that goes for the midweek meeting, the, the MCOM, and the Sunday. And the Saturday morning prayer meeting. And the encounter, the engage in the prophetic meetings. All of these meetings... You might think, well, yeah, well, it's another meeting, it's time. But it's really important. We are all together. But that in itself is not a measure of our passion. Because the problem with all of these things is that, again, they can lead to us feeling guilty if we don't do it. If we say, right, I've, I must read my Bible all the time, and then we go a couple of days without, we can feel bad about it. And God, there is no condemnation in Jesus. We are free. It's good to read a Bible. It's good to be generous. It's good to serve. It's good to meet with our brothers and sisters in Christ. But that's not where our passion lies. That's not a measure of our passion. That's stuff that we do. Our passion should be in Jesus. Okay? Our passion should be in Jesus. So, I went, I thought to myself, okay, How do I increase my passion for Jesus? How do I develop my passion for Jesus? How do I make that grow? Because if that's where my passion should be, uh, you know, I think I can be at times, but, you know, I I want my passion to grow. So I carried out an extensive survey. Basically, what I mean is I went downstairs and I asked Sally. And Sally said... If you want, so this is words of wisdom, if you want your passion to grow, spend time in God's presence. Is that about right? Yeah, cool. And I did tell her I'd make her stand up. She said, oh, you can't make me stand up. Come on. Um, How do you lose your passion? What makes your passion wane? And uh, complicated answer, she said, not spending time in God's presence. Okay. So, uh, so I thought, well, okay, that's very good. Um, you know, that's Sally. Uh, I, w- I want to go to a bit of a you know, broader spectrum of the community. So uh, Scarlett happened to be there at the time, so I asked Scarlett. She said pretty much exactly the same thing as Sally, but with a lot more enthusiasm and bounce, because that's what Scarlett's like. And, uh, uh, and she said the same thing. Being in God's presence. Seeing God in creation. I thought, brilliant. But I can't just leave it to two people. So I actually texted Janet, Janet Lawrence, and I said, Janet, <laughs> what makes your passion grow? And what might make it wane? And uh, I need to read it out, because she gave me this really, really long and complicated answer. She said, His presence and then lack of. Okay? So basically, how do you make your passion grow, being His presence, and what makes it wane? Not being in his presence. So it's the same answer coming through over and over again. And I thought, wow, this is, this is great. Being in God's presence makes your passion grow. But I wanted to go one step further. Now, 
if you were at the members meeting a few weeks ago when uh, Tyro and Teo, if, they, if you're listening guys, just want to say hi, hope you're settling in a way. Um, I'm not sure why I waved, they can't see me. <laughs> but you know, I used to know. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but they got up and they shared about their, their move to Qatar. And Tyro made this really interesting comment. And both Sally and I picked up and mentioned it afterwards. Because a few of us have had the privilege of going over to the, uh, the, the hub, the international hub, that took place in Dubai. And uh, he made the comment, he said, we didn't do any of the tourist things. We went to the meetings and then we went back to our rooms to pray. Now, at the time, Sally and I had commented, we hadn't really seen them outside of the meetings. But we didn't actually know where they were. Um, but it turns out that they after they'd been to the meetings, they went back to their rooms to pray about what God had in store for them. Now, that to me is passion. Passion for Jesus. Passion for the things of God. They, they, they you know, they're in this uh, amazing country and uh, they went back to their rooms to pray and to get before God and seek God for the future, to seek God for his plans. So I thought, right, I want Tyro and Tayo's input into what makes your passion grow. So, um, so I sent them a message and I asked them to do this. So here we go, see if it works. Oh, we seem to have gone back to chickens. Forgive me. There we go. Oh, I'm going the wrong way. I'm going backwards. Oh, oh and I built that up so well as well, didn't I? I, I really built that up and then, uh, there we go. And what the things that can diminish our passion for Jesus is when we start to compare ourselves with other people rather than focusing on Christ. Thank you. Thank you, Tyro. Thank you, Tyro, if you happen to be listening. Um, keeping in step with God's Spirit. Again, staying in the presence of God. You know, when the cloud moved in the Old Testament, when the cloud moved, they moved. When the cloud stopped, they stopped. Keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in the presence of God. That's what makes our passion grow. Okay? And then, moving on, Tyro said, comparing ourselves to others, stepping outside of that uh, kind of, actually, it just matters what God says about us, what God thinks about us. And you know what? God loves you. God loves you. God loves each and every one of you. And me. I'm going to come on to that. (laughs) So, before I move on, I've just got one thing to say. Our passion, I'm going the wrong way again. Our passion for Jesus doesn't come from what we do. It comes from who we're with. There's a great line in the film Batman Begins um, where he's on, the, he's on the rooftop and he's speaking to Rachel, his, his kind of girlfriend. And, uh, and he uses this line. So I <clears throat> get myself into character. I'm Batman. He says, It's not. <coughs> it's not. <laughs> who I am, but what I do that defines me. And I would say, 
Your passion for Jesus is not based on who you are. It's not based on what you do. It's based on the truth that God loves you. And if you spend time in his presence, if you spend time with him, your passion will grow. Now, this is where I uh, go off script a little bit. Because if you were here last Saturday at the Rising Tide Conference, we had a fantastic day. If you were here at the Rising Tide, you'll, you may have noticed that I had a little bit of a moment, shall we say. Um, I came down here thinking, well, this is going to be a good conference, it's going to be great. I'm sure God will move on people, I'm sure God will bless people, I'm sure God will encourage people, because that's what he does, and he loves us. And I had a word at the start um, in the prayer meeting, which I just shared with people, and I just said, yeah, God's given me a picture of an egg. And he's going to break an egg. Well, I think I said eggs, he's going to break some eggs. That's eggs, not legs. He's going to break some eggs. And he's going to empty out what's inside. And he's going to make something with that. And it might be an omelette. It might be a souffle. But everything that God makes will be different. But God is going to break some eggs today. Little did I know when I shared that, that I was going to be an egg. So we went through the morning. Great, great teaching. You know, really good. Um, there was the, the, the exchange for those people that were here. We did the exchange in the morning, which was amazing. But, you know, we got then coming up to lunch. So I thought, right, I'm going to go out and I'm going to go and help set the tables up. So I went out, set the tables up. And then we were ready. They were still going. So I thought, right, well, I'll come back in again. And I'm standing at the back. And uh, Marco, who was leading the session, said, there's some people here who see themselves as a servant but not as a son. And he said, I want you to put your hand up. And suddenly I found my hand was up. I had no intention of putting my hand up. I just felt, I've got to respond here. It was an overwhelming desire to respond. Suddenly, through the power of the Spirit, I'm sobbing at the back. Now, I've cried as Sally will testify, I'm, I'm a little bit emotionally stunted. I, I have a little bit of an issue with emotions. Um, I've cried four, maybe five times throughout my whole adult life. And I cried twice last Sunday, last Saturday, out of the four or five times. You know, I'm, I, I don't do emotions. And maybe God will change that. I mean, people will pray that, I, I will pray that God will change that. But I was sobbing. And I was being prayed for. Thank you. And, uh, and I can't remember who it was. I think it was Janet said, can you say that God loves me? God loves me. So I asked him to me. Can I say that God loves me? I couldn't say it. And I'm standing here think, I'm standing there thinking, but I'm, I'm one of the elders in the church, my leader, and I, cannot, I, I literally can't say that because I'm not convinced about that. I know that God loves you. I know that God loves each and every one of you, but I couldn't stand there and say God loves me. Because I realised something there that actually I'm living with an orphan spirit we use that term orphan spirit and I'm going to mention what that means in a minute but I had the wrong understanding of God's love for me so after lunch they then called out a couple of people to share what had happened to them in the morning said if you want to come out and share come and share your story yeah. 
And suddenly I find I'm here. And I'm thinking, why am I here? <laughs> I've been sobbing my heart out at the back. I'm just, it's just not, it's not going to work. I'm going to embarrass myself. People are going to be looking at me. You know? And uh, I'm, I find myself standing here. And I just, I just sobbed again. Because suddenly there was something happening where God was just saying to me that he loved me. It is amazing. God's love. I have no problem in saying God loves each and every one of you. And I'm sure that all of you sitting there will have no problem in saying to each and every one of you, God loves you. And I'm sure that you will have no problem in saying to me, Keith, God loves you. But do we believe that God loves ourselves? Do we truly believe that? So over the course of this week, I've been thinking quite a lot about that. I've been thinking, well, where has that come from? Where has this, this kind of, this, this misunderstanding come from? Why do I not understand that God loves me in the same way that I know he loves each and every one of you? And we talk a lot about orphan spirit. And we talk about the father hearts of God. And often when we do that, we can think, well, maybe it was because we didn't have a good relationship with our dads, with our fathers. Maybe it was because, you know, our, 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 father, our dad left us when we, were, when we were children. Maybe he walked out. Maybe, maybe our, our fathers might have knocked us about, or whatever. So we tend to think the extreme. When I think of my dad... And this, I'm not saying anything he hasn't said, he hasn't acknowledged himself. My dad is a, is a good bloke. You know, he worked hard for his uh, whole working life. Put food on the table. Put a roof over our heads. A good bloke. But my overriding memory growing up of my dad was working. So he worked nine till five and he came home. At the end of five o'clock, he'd finished being paid. But my dad was so, he so loved his job. He so loved what he did, he brought it home. And so he'd then spend two or three hours in the evening working. And I can picture him now, working at the kitchen table. My relationship with, with my dad, I mean, it's, it's, it's okay, but it, I, 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 in those formative years, essentially he, he wasn't there because he was always working. So when we were sitting watching on the telly, he'd be in the kitchen. You know, when I went up to bed, he'd say, oh, good night. Sleep well. You know, love you. But he would be working. Now, you know, like I say, he's, he, we've talked about this, and my dad has, has said, you know, he, uh, he acknowledges he was never there for me and for my sister as we were growing up. Unfortunately, when it came to the company downsizing, he was made redundant. All of those hours didn't make the blindest bit of difference. He still ended up losing his job. But that has impacted how I see God. Because when I look at God, I'm not looking at the God that we read about in Scripture. And this is partly what I realised last weekend. I'm not thinking of the God from Scripture. I'm not thinking of the God who adopted us in love, like Adam, uh, Alan read out. I'm not. I'm, I'm superimposing my dad onto the Heavenly Father. 
And what I'm doing is I'm thinking, well, you know, as good a relationship as I had with, or I have with my dad, he was never there. So maybe God is just never there for me. And I think that I'm not the only one. And I'm not here to be critical of people's dads. I'm just sharing my story. I'm just sitting here saying to you, or standing here saying to you, that, you know, my dad didn't knock me about. My dad didn't leave when I was little. And I know that that is some people's experience here. My dad, a good bloke, but was never there for me. And I have superimposed that onto how I see my Father in Heaven. Hence the reason why I struggled last week to say that God loves me. I can now say that God loves me. God loves me. I don't fully understand... Thank you. I don't fully understand, but then maybe I'm not supposed to. Maybe we're not supposed to understand love. Maybe that's why love is always in poems. Because it's not about understanding, it's just about knowing that God loves us. And I want us just to take a moment at this point, and I want us just to think a little bit about how we see God's love. Do we see God and the Father heart of God in the way that we read in Scripture, the way that Alan read, we have been adopted by love. Do we see God like that? Or will we superimpose in our own fathers with their failings and their weaknesses? Do we see our God like our Father? Or do we see God like our Father? So, I'm going to ask you all in a moment just to bow your heads. I am not going to ask anyone if this is a key issue for them. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. Because at the same time as I'm saying this, we we have parents and children in the room. And if this is is something important for you, I, I, I don't want to cause any, you know, this is between you and God. But if you are sitting here at this point in time and you're sitting here saying, I don't truly know God as the Father. I don't truly understand the Father heart of God for me. And I want you to pray in your heart that God will reveal himself to you as the loving Father. Not as Lord, not as Creator, And he is all those things. But as a loving father. Jesus used the word Abba. Which I know we all know, or many, many, many of us will know, means like daddy. It's all very well to say the words, but do we know that? Is that here knowledge or is that here knowledge? Do we truly know the love of the father for us? So I'm going to ask you if you'd just take a moment, bow your heads, and if this is something that for you is a key issue, and I just want you to pray quietly to yourself as I pray. Just repeat it after, after I've said it. But don't, 
don't let the doubts, don't let the thoughts in your mind take this away from you. Because God wants to do a work in some of us today. Lord, we know that you love us. We think that you love us. But Lord, we've superimposed somehow the picture of our earthly father onto you. And we've not truly grasped how much you have loved us. And Lord, I ask that today you will start a process of revealing your love for us, of revealing your heart to us, to me. I thank you that you love me, but let me know your love. Let me know your heart, I pray. Jesus loves, the Father loves each and every one of us. But we've made a first step there. We've prayed a prayer. And God is faithful to that prayer. And God will reveal to you his love. God will reveal to you his heart. Because that's what he wants. He wants you to be free of... uh, of doubt about how much he loves you. He wants you to be free of, of, of that lacking acceptance. But there is something that we need to do as well. And we need to train our minds. We need to train our thinking. So we, it comes from both sides. So God reveals his love to us but we also train our thinking. And as has already been mentioned, we have a Freedom in Christ course coming up. Now, the Freedom in Christ course covers a lot of truth about our relationship with God, about who God is, who we are in God. Freedom in Christ course also comes with the Steps Day, which is an opportunity for you to spend time either in here with a video or one-to-one, or kind of one-to-one, with another Christian. So you can actually sit down with them and go through a whole load of stuff. It is a brilliant day. And for those of us that do the Steps Days with people, it's an absolute privilege and honour to be able to take people through it. But one of the things that comes up in the last couple of weeks is called a Stronghold Buster. Now, a stronghold buster is, uh, is basically where you, you, you know, if you've got an issue. So for me, my stronghold buster coming out of last weekend is God loves me. Because I've got the wrong understanding of that. I've got the wrong impression of that. And if I want to change how I think about how much God loves me, then I need to do what Freedom in Christ would call a stronghold buster. And what you do is you find verses in Scripture that speak into this. And you speak them out positively over yourself. Every day, 
for, I think it's 40, 40 days, isn't it? Give or take. So you speak it out positively over yourself. You confess scripture to yourself over this issue. And uh, so I've written a stronghold buster about how much God loves me. That I am going to work through over the next few weeks saying these things out positively to myself, speaking truth to myself, because God is doing an amazing work in me but I want to change how I think as well, so that the two go hand in hand. And so that, you know, I've got God changing me inside, but I'm also changing how I think. So my stronghold buster is this. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. But you, O Lord, are a merciful God and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. The Lord your God, the Lord my God, is in my midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over me with gladness. He will quiet me by his love. He will exult over me with loud singing. If I come to believe that, that's going to be quite transformative. Yeah? And if you're sitting here and you're not quite sure about how much God loves you, and you're sitting here thinking, does God love me? And you come to grips with that, you're going to revolutionise your life, transform your life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. This is uh, Jesus speaking. Abide in my love. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. You are my friends. If you do what I command you. Friends. No longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. I'm a friend of Jesus because of his love, because the Father loved me. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God shows his love for us. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, angels nor rulers, things present or things to come, powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Love of God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. In this love, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
God loves you. God loves me. If each and every one of us can truly get to grips with how much God loves us, if we can put away our image of God in the way that we think of him relating to our earthly father and think of him in relation to what it says in Scripture, that will revolutionise our life. It will transform our walk with him. But it takes us having to come to him and say, God, show me your love. Show me your heart. I'm going to finish there. I'm not going to call out a ministry time because we could find that everyone comes out. We could find one or two. We could find that no one comes out. But I want to encourage you today, if you're sitting here and you finding what I'm saying difficult, if you're finding those scriptures difficult to believe, can I encourage you to pray and ask him to reveal his love for us? Because I think that will transform our walk with him. Okay. If the band could come back up. I'm just going to close again in prayer and then over to you guys, yeah? Lord, I thank you that you love us. Lord, I pray that for each and every person here, myself included, that you will just reveal again how much you love us. Lord, I pray that you will help us to see you as the God of Scripture, the Father that Scripture talks about, and not see you in the light of our earthly fathers. Lord, I pray that you will transform us as we come to know how much you love us, as we come to see the Father's heart. In Jesus' name. Amen.